What is going on, brothers and sisters, friends of the Rockney cast? For this particular episode, we're going to go into international foreign policy, and we're going to cover my most recent review of PBS's most recent frontline, Putin, and his relationship with the last five United States presidents. I'm going to start with a question, and I'm going to answer it with a fact. And in the meantime, I'm going to cover such illuminating figures such as John Bolton, Mr. Mustache, Mr. Joe Biden, Mr. President and Absent-Minded. Is he there there? And our current Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. And then following that, it's going to be more of kind of a rant. But I'm going to answer this question. I'm going to start with a question, and I'm going to answer it with a fact. The question that I'm going to pose at the beginning of this podcast is, should we have confidence in our American foreign policy establishment relating to the war in Ukraine? Can we trust them? Are they smarter than we are? Do they have information? that we don't have? Are we too dumb to figure things out? Or are we just gullible victims? By we, I mean John and Joe Q public, of which I count my part of that. I didn't go to any of the Ivy League institutions. I do have a college degree and a law degree, but you know, am I that much smarter than someone at the neighborhood McDonald's in Newton or Des Moines? Not necessarily. They're probably smarter than I am. So. This is gonna be an episode where if you don't wanna get all riled up, don't listen to it. Turn it off and go listen to Britney Spears because this is gonna be critical. This is gonna be negative. Uh, so there's gonna be some negative energy, but there's gonna be some positive energy here too because ultimately I think that there is a way forward through here. But this is gonna be one where I'm gonna offer my opinions of the world as I see it. We now have a series of decisions by our great leader, Joe Biden. And the question vis-a-vis -vis Ukraine and its war against Russia, and the question is, is, is he and the NATO alliance, are they making good decisions here? Are they doing the right thing? And can we trust that they're going to lead us in the right direction? Well, for those of you who have followed the news for the last several months, know that there's a war in the Ukraine between Ukraine and Russia. So let's just give a little history lesson on Ukraine. Of course, the relationship between Ukraine and Russia goes back hundreds of years. But for purposes of this particular podcast, I'm just going to focus on essentially one fact that only 30 years ago, Ukraine was not only a neighboring nation, Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. They had the same military. They had the same, not the same language. They are two different languages, but they were part of the same nation state oriented towards defeating the external enemy. Now, of course, we all know that 1989, the Berlin Wall fell, and in 1991, the Soviet Union collapsed. And since that time, we've been kind of in this uneasy time period where should we trust Russia? Are they our friend or are they our enemy? 
And this particular episode of The Frontline uh, purported to answer that question in a way in which purported to be kind of factual and not propaganda on behalf of the United States. And I think if you look at Frontline, you would think like, oh, this is PBS. These are sober-minded journalists. They're a lot smarter than we are. We should trust them. But after listening to this particular um, piece of work by PBS, I think we can discard it as nothing more than it is, is it's a piece of propaganda from the United States and the foreign policy establishment. And the question that I have for you is, is why do we, I mean, you can support them and it's fine if you do, but the question as I see it, is why do we continue to place our trust in these overeducated, dysfunctional, untrustworthy, and degenerate losers? And I look no further than one of the central people that's featured on PBS Frontline, the person of John Bolton a supposed foreign policy expert that has this incredible mustache. And we're supposed to believe that he's some sort of foreign policy expert and that we should trust him. Well, who is John Bolton? I'm not going to get into all the details, but he, he's been basically a cold warrior. Some people have called him a neocon. He was one of the chief cheerleaders for the second Iraq war and probably a huge fan of the first Iraq war. Um, he was very active in the Bush administration. He was on the outs during the presidency of Barack Obama, but he has kind of reemerged and he reemerged a little bit during the Trump administration. And now he's still sort of quoted in frontline. And the question is, is why? Now here you might say, well, who the hell am I? Did I go to Berkeley or um, you know, Harvard and Yale, and these people are very smart. We should trust them. So here I'm going to make a little digression. And as you can see by now, this is a rant. So if you don't like rants, just go, go somewhere else. You can always turn this off. But here's, I think, one of the, I think, he should be considered a canary in the coal mine. And I think maybe it should be considered not only canary in the coal mine, but essentially a giant emergency signal over the future of our country, because I think it explains why Trump emerged in the first place, whether you're for him or against him, and why we should be extremely concerned that we still allow essentially two schools, Yale and Harvard, to rule the United States without almost any um, oversight on the part of this particular political class. And we'll attempt to answer that particular question in the person of John Bolton, someone who is prominently featured in this particular documentary or piece of propaganda, as I see it, on Frontline. So first off, the question of John Bolton. Now, to some degree, I'm going to oversimplify things, but I think it's relevant because I think it's relevant to something that has happened in this particular country is that we've evolved in this particular time frame, and this was not always the case, 
where the characteristics that lead you through the federal bureaucracy, both foreign policy establishment, as well as the elite of our country, are not necessarily the same characteristics that you would see in the form of a warrior or someone who actually has skin in the game. That is to say, do the people that make the decisions of this country bear the consequences of the decisions that we make on behalf of the United States foreign policy? And are they directly threatened by the decisions that they make on behalf of the United States in connection with foreign policy? And look at John Bolton. And I think he's a good example of this because he still quoted January of 2023 as someone that we should care about and respect and listen to him. And I ask you one simple question, and it's relevant here. If you were in a bar in a small town and you had three big dudes come up and start to try something with you, would any of you trust John Bolton to defend you? How do you think he would actually respond? He fancies himself as some sort of tough guy, but the question is how many fights has he been in? What kind of training does he have to be a warrior? What relatives will die based upon the foreign policy advocate that he makes? And in fact, by his bellicose statements and his cheerleading for the Iraq war, numerous people have suffered, Numerous people have died, yet he himself, even now, January of 2023, is still cited as some sort of leader that we should care about. And the question is, is would anyone? No, we wouldn't, because he's weak. So we have a situation where the very characteristics that lead you through the foreign policy establishment are led by people that are physically and emotionally weak. John Bolton couldn't fight his way out of the weakest of weak bars in any town in the United States. And yet he has influence over our military. And he's still quoted as someone we should care about over hundreds of millions of lives. And we should listen to him. We should not listen to him. He is weak ineffectual and pathetic. And here I'll get into a recent episode of the Netflix Last Kingdom. This was not always the case. You know, we quote the Dark Ages as a time of, you know, dysfunction and war and weakness and dysfunctional nation states. But one principle emerged during the Middle Ages, in particular, I'm referring to Last Kingdom here, you know, Uhtred of Bebenbohr, I talked about that being a great show. At that time in history, 19th and 11th century, and, and of course, too, through the present day in some countries, the kings actually fought alongside the troops. In other words, they actually risked their own skins and established themselves in battle to guarantee the right to lead the country in a time of battle. This is a principle that has existed basically up through the 1960s even, to some degree. I mean, in the, even, even JFK, who I consider, I, I like JFK, and at least he did fight in World War II, and his older brother died in World War II, that was the principle. 
if you're going to lead, you got to fight. You got to establish yourself in battle. So at the time of Uhtred of Babenbor and Ethelred and Ethelfled and all these great leaders, they actually had to establish, establish themselves as leaders. And yet Bolton and, and put their own skins on the line. Ask you to do your own research. What family member, what amount of wealth is going to be lost by Bolton in the event of war? Now, of course, if there's nuclear war, we'll all lose. So he has that skin in the game, but no more than any of the rest of us. This, this person, if he is so tough, I want to see him in battle. I would much rather have someone who is um, leading our country that has established himself in business, on the battlefield, um, in war, in, in a boxing ring. I'd much rather have Mike Tyson or someone listen to his perspective on this rather than John Bolton, because that is a huge problem in our country. So then we get into this propaganda piece by Frontline related to number two, Joe Biden. And there's no question in this particular podcast, Joe Biden is, is seen as someone who is strong and resolute in standing up to the bully of Vladimir Putin and that we should trust Joe Biden. And somehow Obama was weak and Joe Biden is heroically leading us against the big bad bully Vladimir Putin and he should get a a plus for the work that he's doing and this to me just demonstrates now I talked about skin in the game when you think about and one of the things that's not even mentioned in this propaganda piece is that think about skin in the game so let's talk about Joe Biden's credentials he has been coddled in government his entire life. As far as I can tell, never started a business, never done anything good. He's been in government his entire life. I don't think he's been in military service. I don't think he's ever been in an actual fight. Maybe he has. If, if you were in a bar, even Joe Biden at his peak, would you want to be by this guy? Would you want him to be on your side? Seriously, would you want him to defend your daughter, your spouse, your friends? Would you want him to lead? If your neighborhood were under threat, would you trust Joe Biden? When I talked about skin in the game, or what do you have to lose by entering it into a foreign policy decision? So here we have this heroic portrayal of Joe Biden as someone we should trust. Yet, Curiously, vis-a-vis -vis foreign policy and Ukraine. But curiously, one fact is omitted from this entire documentary. And that is to say that Joe Biden's own son, Hunter Biden. Yeah, that Hunter. And it's not easy to be in politics. I have short term in politics and I am not suggesting that I am any way shape perform a perfect person. But omitted from this heroic documentary was the fact that Joe Biden not only doesn't have any skin in the game, that while he was vice president of the United States, his son was paid 
hundreds of thousands. You can you can do your research by a Ukrainian firm. Now, a lot of you who purport to say like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're going to the Hunter Biden. Do you just get all of your information off of the Internet? Okay, well, I, I put the question back on you. Okay, let's have a conversation. Ask me and answer one question. I place it back in your lap, and you can reach out to me at rockneycast.gmail.com. Answer one question then. What particular credentials did Joe Hunter Biden have to make hundreds of thousands of dollars in the Ukraine oil business in Durismo? Just answer that question. If I'm the victim of propaganda, what credentials did he have? Did he was he a Ukrainian student? Did he study in Kiev in the um, you know 1990s? And does he speak Ukrainian fluently? Did he have any particular skills in the oil business? Did he go to Texas State and become a petroleum engineer and have any particular expertise? Did he have any legal skills that were just he was a previous international lawyer and he he previously consulted in the kiev or kazakhstan or did he have was he a scholar of ancient history to give him some specific credential answer me that one question other than being the son of the vice president what credential did joe and his dad have to get this particular cushy gig with burisma oil company and make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now if, now, if there's some credential that he had that I'm missing, educate me on that, rockneycast.gmail.com. As far as I can tell, there is none. So not only does our great leader not only have no skin in the game, he stands to profit to the tune of tens of millions of dollars and already likely has based upon his political. So he actually has a financial interest in the outcome of this. And we're supposed to trust that he is leading us. And as far as I can, in the right direction, and as far as I can tell, not one member of Joe Biden's family is gonna risk their blood and sweat and tears and become worse off based upon the decision. Not only has he profited, profited, he has no skin in the game. And we're in and he's leading the country to the brink of war with a nuclear armed power. Number three, we're going to cover the Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, our fearless leader. The whole thing is portrayed as all of Vladimir Putin's positions are all lies. They're all lies. That's the whole point of it. Now, a couple nuanced positions are offered, but they're kind of in this PBS documentary. They're kind of straw arguments. They're saying, sure. You know, Vladimir Putin was trained as a KGB agent, and yeah, the Soviet Union fell, and yeah, there was chaos, and yeah, the United States has tried to welcome in Ukraine to NATO. 
which had previously been the sworn enemy of an entire generation of people. And yeah, we've removed leaders and after we whether we were right in removing those leaders yeah afterwards there's a period of chaos for 20 or 30 years in which people suffer and die and there's no law and order and then all of a sudden the people that we defeated all of a sudden take power anyway and we abandon the people that had supported us and i only mention libya was I'm not a fan of Muammar Gaddafi, but our foreign policy geniuses led by people like Anthony Blinken, closely affiliated with Hillary Clinton, totally caused chaos and disruption with no sense of responsibility after the mess. The Gulf War II, Iraq has suffered and lost tens of thousands of people and were nearly taken over by a group of people, we won't name their names, but that were executing people in broad daylight and nearly took over the entire country while we stood by until they reached the, the gates of Baghdad. And of course, Afghanistan, where our fearless leader, while he cares so much about defending foreign countries from aggression, did not care at all while people affiliated with the United States, who we had sworn to protect, he left them undefended and unprotected in Afghanistan. And he offers no reason for that other than, oh, well, you got to end the war sometime. There's a, we only can defend and pay for this war in Afghanistan for so long. Yeah, so Anthony Blinken. Now, some of you may say, who the heck, Rockney Cole? who went to a Midwestern liberal arts school and has a law degree from uh, a state school, can call out His Excellency Anthony Blinken, an Ivy League-educated, very smart, intelligent, urbane person. Yeah, I am. Anthony Blinken is incompetent. Joe Biden is incompetent. We should not trust their decision-making, because we now live in a political class, unfortunately, in a political system where the skills that make you get to a particular place in government are not the same skills of common sense, having earned your position through both physical, spiritual, and intellectual leadership. I'm not saying I just want to go to like you know, any local bar and say, oh yeah, just give me the toughest guy in the room and have her lead our country. I'm not wanting Mike Tyson to let us lead, you know, lead us quite yet. But I want people that have made it on their own outside of the corridors of government that actually have experienced physical toil. Yeah, I want a Dwight D. Eisenhower. I want a U.S. Grant who did not have anything gifted to him, but earned his position of leadership. Even Harry Truman, he pretty much, you know, was a failed farmer and a failed haberdasher, at least made it up through that political class, you know, from the outside as a son of a, without a college degree. So that's some kind of credential. But yeah, I want someone who's earned it, who's made their way in business. I mean, Ronald Reagan had no help at all to get to where he did. And he made it on his own, through his charisma, through his um, 
way that he presented ideas in a simple and effective way. And now we're led by this, this tired, dysfunctional political class who does not like debate and ideas. Now, if I were to give this, I'll just give you an example, University of Iowa. University of Iowa are led by overpaid, overeducated, weak people who couldn't defend themselves out of a paper bag. If I were to present these ideas to the, at the faculty lounge at the University of Iowa, you know, great, I'd get, I'd get an F because they don't care about anyone that funds their salary. They don't care about anyone that has um, what the actual ideas are. All they care is, is about securing their status, securing a very comfortable lifestyle while they don't have to suffer or while they purport to, to, to care about the, about the underprivileged and under success. I would ask any one of these people that care so much, go into the factory floor or the ghetto or the trailer park, see how well they actually care. Have any of them ever actually been there? Sure, they may have been there a few times during colleges, college experience with their liberal white guilt, but for the most part, they do not care because the path to a cushy job is saying the right things to get the job to secure the benefits that you have. Anthony Blink, not, at no point during any of this purported documentary, it's supposed to be journalist as opposed to journalism, as opposed to propaganda. At no point does this entire frontline episode ever ask one person, okay, one, one question. How does arming Ukraine advance the interests of the United States? Does it make us safer? No. Does it make us more economically resilient? No. As far as I can tell, one reason is given and one reason only. And it's the old Munich argument that if we don't stop old Vladimir, he's going to take over the world. If he allows, it's it's the Munich argument that in 1938, Neville Chamberlain made a deal with the devil. And had we stood up to, to Hitler at that particular time, World War II would have been stopped and everything would have been saved. And Vladimir Putin, so the argument goes, is just making up a series of lies. That's the argument that he doesn't, at one point, the documentary, I call it propaganda, even claim that he didn't have a soul. He's some kind of zombie or some kind of, he's like a Rasputin. Maybe he's, there he is. He's the new Rasputin. That's the argument. And he's just like this Bengali figure that has convinced and, and duped the Russian people with his charisma and his fear and a security state that he is going to control and rule the world. And if we don't arm Ukraine, we're all of a sudden going to be under a new Russian state in Iowa. We're going to all start speaking Russian. 
And here I just have to say that this argument is the most mind-blowingly inept. Um, I, I, I just, I see nothing to this argument at all. And the reason is, is that I do think that there is one fact that I want to offer to you that to me is relevant to the discussion. And that fact is, is 27 million dead. Where, where, where does that number come from? Well, that's the number of people that died during World War II. 27 million people. And a lot of you say, well, that's just, Hitler's not in control anymore. So therefore, if Hitler's not in control, that would never happen again. It's just that that's, that's, oh my God, that's why you're not Anthony Blinken Cole. That's why, uh, you know, at one point I did apply for Dartmouth and I didn't get in. So it's just this all big thing, right? Oh my God, I didn't get into the Ivy Lakes. So it's just as my revenge. Oh my God, as your, if any of the, I, well, no liberal elites are listening to me because I'm not public radio. But, yeah, so, oh, my God, this is just, oh, and I wonder why you didn't get in. This this would be a total F. The faculty lounge will say, oh, my God, it's a good thing this guy never got his PhD or else we'd have to listen to this kind of guy. So, but but I think to me, the, the issue as I see it is, is not that, is there any Hitler in the Western Europe? No, there's not. But here's, I think, the thing that is absolutely lost on Hitler. And I think it's also lost by the rise of Trump, and I'm not comparing the two, okay? It's the issue of why they arose in the first place, okay? That's the question. Not whether Hitler's there right now, but why did they arise in the first place? Why did Putin rise in the first place? Because here I think I'm gonna describe what I think are unalterable facts. Hitler arose and did not have power until 1933. In 1931-32, Britain had a liberal democracy. And if you would have asked Russia in 1931 as to whether they'd be losing 27 million dead um, in 1941, between 1941, June of uh, 1941, Operation Barbarossa began until basically 1945, May of 1945. No one would have predicted that to be the case. Obviously, the Soviet Union would not have made a deal with Germany if they thought they were going to be the victims of 27 million dead. And people say, oh, well, that would never happen again. Well, here's the here's the track record, I think, and one of the things that, that, that democratic institutions have suffered from is chaos. Economic chaos, political chaos, where you can't feel secure in your home, in your state, in your town, and you're just left totally unprotected. People crave order. They, they crave protection. That's the most basic instinct. And the problem is, is people like John Bolton live in gated communities. They go to secure compounds or they go to hotels. They have cushy jobs where they've never had to make rent. 
They don't know what they always know where their next meal has come from. They've never they've never been directly threatened face to face. I'm sure they probably received some threats via mail and things like that. But they go about their business completely protected and secure, just like Louis the Sixteenth or Marie Antoinette. Both the working classes suffer, toil, and all they get from the elites of our country is, well, we feel bad for you. Here are the crumbs. That's how the strong men arose. And Putin arose under these same circumstances. And apparently, the foreign policy elite, Anthony Blinken, Joe Biden, John Bolton, apparently don't understand anything about this. Is that here we have a situation where, and, and it's like, oh, well, you know, Western Europe, that, that's an old example. It's, we're not 1920s Western Europe. We can trust the Western powers. They're really smart. Well, let's take a look at more recent interventions. In 2011, the United States toppled Muammar Gaddafi. Not a nice guy. I'm not a huge Muammar fan. And, and after that, they've endured 10 years of total chaos. 2004, the United States invaded Iraq. What happened after that? Chaos upon chaos, car bombing upon car bombing. I've never seen any polls in terms of the way Iraqi people actually felt in terms of which system is better. Is it, is it better to live under constant threat of a car bomb or some level of security where at least you know there's some order with someone like Saddam Hussein? I mean, these, these are the questions in the world as it is. And we go to more recently what factually did happen in Russia following the collapse of the Soviet Union. For the first 10 years of the post-Soviet collapse, Russia was in chaos. Republics were breaking away. The economy, there was hyperinflation. There was real concern about loose nukes. It was not a pleasant time. And there were the apartment bombings, were these random bombings. Now, some have theorized that Putin was behind the apartment bombings. I'm not going to do a documentary on that. I don't know. But the question is, is the Russian people felt it was either an internal or external enemy and craved that security and order and ability to just go about their business in peace and safety without the threat of an external enemy. And so he actually got there and he stayed in power. And the question is, is, is there any, does Russia, how many Russians on the street actually like Putin? Is he just the Svengali's figure that's controlled them and persuaded them that they are somehow under the boot of a um, just an authoritarian regime. Does he have any popular support? I think the answer is, is yes. Because if to choose, what would happen, for example, well, let's just do a thought experiment. What would happen if the graduate of Yale University with a PhD in Russian studies who happened to be born in Russia? So you get someone born in Russia, Russian citizenship, but with an Ivy League PhD in foreign policy, who knew all the history of the United States and all the history of Russia and was Russia Russian and adopted the American ethos of democracy, the system that we have. And all of a sudden, he, he or she was installed 
in Russia, what would happen? Now, if you listen to Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken, everything would be great. Everything would, you know, doves would be floating around and, and all of a sudden the world would be at peace and we can just all go about our business and John Bolton can go and, you know, have his cocktails and talk about the glory days. And we can all just, it's going to be like a Star Trek episode, total peace throughout the world. Well, I'll offer a little bit of a different scenario, which I think is more likely to happen if one of Joe Biden's buddies from Yale or Harvard got installed. I think what you would see would be a disintegration of the Russian state and chaos. That's what I think you would actually see. You would see a lot of states emboldened uh, within the Russian Federation that would say, hey, just like Chechnya did in 1994, hey, we want to be free. You would see then all of a sudden Joe Biden saying, yeah, we have to recognize self-determination and we got to let him go. And you would see all of a sudden that that would then cause a counter attack by people that are very radicalized. Remember, there was this Vladimir Zhiropnosky at some point that was just kind of a crackpot in the Soviet Union and post-Soviet period that wanted to attack Alaska. But that's the point, is once you start liberalizing and the chaos starts occurring, people don't feel secure. They want order. And when they want order, they crave a strong person. And they crave that. And I think what you would see is, is that would unleash a much larger war in Russia itself. The problem there, of course, is that they have nukes. And that is just not something that we can risk. And the bottom line, I mean, here's the bottom line with Vladimir Putin. Um, is he making this? I, I think here's the ultimate question. Is he just some sort of power-hungry, mad person? Or could someone, could a reasonable person sitting in his shoes feel the way that he does? That's the question. Now, the frontline propaganda piece would say, no, he's some sort of soulless, pathological liar that only wants power to, to rule the world. And I just don't think that's the case. You know, John Bolton at one point said that Trump was naive. Trump just didn't believe in that. Yeah, I would just, put, let's put the shoe on the other foot. Let's talk about the scariest foreign policy enemy that the United States has ever faced. Let's just say it's someone like Al-Qaeda or whoever. It doesn't have to be them. Imagine if they weren't only a group, an unaffiliated group, but they were part of a nation state that had previously, within a generation, killed 27 million United States people. And, but they had had a change of heart, and they had been taken over by someone else, and all of a sudden they said, this time, trust us? We're actually going to park ourselves right off of New York in the form of an armed armada. We're just going to sit there. Or we've decided to affiliate ourselves with Cuba or Canada, and we're going to park three or 400,000 men on the border ready to go. 
Does anyone with a brain think that that would really cause a counter response in the United States? Of course it would. And yet no one seems to be having this discussion. It's just considered that somehow Biden's right. And then that one person is interviewed on the street as to why we're doing what we're doing. Now, if you're from Ukraine, I doubt you will, but I'm not anti-Ukraine. I'm not saying that you don't have a reason to fight. You do, right? I think every nation has the right to fight, to make allies, to fight for its freedom, and you do too. Uh, the question is, is did you, when the United States has been attacked in the previous wars, did your country defend us? Did you? They'd say, oh, well, that wasn't reasonable. We were a poor country and you're so strong. Well, did you have fleets of volunteers that came and tried to do this? And you may say, well, it's totally different. Maybe it is different. But the question is, is why should we, the United States, risk our country and alienating and, and risk a nuclear exchange over a region, over a dispute that you have with Russia, um, over a region with, that's largely Russian speaking. Why should you? And, and again, in this, this type of situation, both sides have arguments, okay? But I think here's why, you know, people like Trump rose in the first place, is Biden cares a ton about this issue. Bolton cares a ton about this issue because they go to these conferences and they talk amongst themselves and the elite and some loser is going to get a PhD um, from whatever institution and feel really smart that they've, they've uncovered the archives of the communication between Anthony Blinken and a Soviet counterpart. They're going to write their paper on it and offer some new insight, but they don't give a shit about the working class. They don't give a shit about the actual people of the United States. And in fact, if you raise any kind of nationalism or pride, not only do they are indifferent, they actively make fun of you as just completely ignorant, uneducated, and not even worthy of an opinion. And that's the problem. And that, in large part, is behind the rise of someone like Trump, is that for the first time, there was actually a leader that articulated those issues. And of course, he's an incredibly flawed person, um, but he actually, at least, he has skin in the game. I mean, he's, the federal government is going after him like he's some sort of mobster, while at the same time completely ignoring an actual, an actual payments made by a foreign power to the son of the president and say, not only is there no story there, not only is there no story, but this is actually Russian propaganda. And they actually ask us to just say that this is just all propaganda and we're supposed to trust these people. Friends, we are reaching a point in the United States where the country is at risk of splitting up. I, I don't think it, I don't think this is hyperbolic to say because people on the coast, and there's just basically cities, people in the cities on the coast are not able to connect with and identify with the broad swaths of American people. And the only attention they pay to them is to insult them, to humiliate them, and to make them, 
you know, feel as if they're not worthy of leadership. And I think that places us in this incredibly dangerous time in where if we are to remember the, the, the time of Munich, I think the I think we're I think we're drawing the wrong lesson. It's not that we should ignore that particular lesson. It's good. You don't want to let that. I mean, if if Putin attacked Poland, that might be that might be an issue, right? But I I think also we have to we 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 ignore the fact that there's a lot of times when there have been foreign powers that have recognized their historical interest, taken those interests and stopped there. I mean, it reminds me of. You know, Barney Fife, when Andy had this policy of giving someone five miles over when they needed to go over a hill, and he would say, well, hey, Ange, if we if we allow them five, then they'll go 10. If they'll go 15, they'll go 20 miles over if we allow them this five-mile grace. And that's just, you don't see that. Russia does have historical interests. Russia did lose 27 million people in World War II. That's a fact. Russia in the early 19th century was invaded by Napoleon, a French, a French leader, which again arose after a period of chaos. Russia did lose its monarchy based upon what happened in World War I, which was basically the function of dysfunction in the German and French and English political systems. And for those of you who say, oh my God, that's just way out of date, Russia did suffer the collapse of its state was humiliated and had to listen to degenerate losers like Joe Biden lecture them on morality. Have you seen pictures of Joe Biden? They have to listen to this guy and Anthony Blinken. Imagine you go into a bar and you have Anthony Blinken, Joe Biden, and Joe Bolton taking on Vladimir Putin. Who do you think would win? I think even at 70, he would take them all out. He's a tough guy. Do I love all tough guys? No, I don't. But people do. And a lot of you say like, oh my God, well, could you go into the bar and fight someone? I'm not saying that it necessarily could. The point is, is that's the type of leadership I want. Someone like Jocko Willinich, someone who's actually fought. I'm just saying that's who I would support. I'm not elevating myself. I'm not an accountant. So I, I want someone who has that skill set to do that. And when I think about the type of leaders who I want to choose, and I will not name his names because by all, by all um, reckoning, uh, this person was a nice person, and I will not name his name. He seems like a super nice guy. He's a conservative guy. Um, but he's one of the few people from my law school who actually made it into the foreign policy establishment. And this person could fight his way out of a paper bag. I mean, maybe he maybe he has some sort of fencing credential, but same test. And you say, oh my God, you're just you're just too hard. So, so what if you're good in a bar fight? Well, the point is, is this. If you are going to act aggressively, the question is, are you the one that's going to bear the consequences of that aggression? Right. And someone who has been in a bar fight knows that, right? That if they act aggressively, they have to be prepared to defend themselves. And this particular person from my own law school couldn't do that. And yet he all of a sudden got elevated as well. Now, so a lot of you say, like, oh my God, you're just jealous. You just wish you could be part of this elite and have these cushy jobs. Yeah, I, I suppose I am. <laughs> you know, if I were a professor at the University of Iowa, 
I would not have to work very hard. I'd have a cushy guaranteed job. And it'd be kind of like, I'd be like the top dog at the zoo where we could comment and have all of our politics. But as soon as there's any stress, they run. And in fact, they have tenure, but they never do anything, right? They never do anything politically. It makes them weak. I want to support leaders that are strong, that have actually led men and women in battle, that have actually built their own business, that have actually defended their own values and actually bled and, and faced risk and fought. That's who I want to support this country, not these degenerate traitors that all they have is a bureaucracy that they can manipulate through. And that is all they stand for. So I am, um, I don't know if I'm pro-Putin. And by the way, I'm not a bot. I don't, I don't sit and read Facebook for my foreign policy expertise. I'm not a complete ignoramus on this stuff. I mean, I'm pretty well read. Uh, I'm not a foreign policy expert, but I trust me, as between me and Blinken, yeah, I could give us better guidance than Anthony Blinken, right? I, I could. Um, I could give us better guidance than than um, John Bolton and, of course, Joe Biden. I could, because these people are bringing us to the brink of nuclear war, and yet they bear no consequences of their own foreign policy decision. In the case of our president, his own son made hundreds of thousands of dollars and has effectively been shielded from any sort of accountability with this blatant transfer of wealth based upon a connection to a government official. We're just supposed to look the other way. Now, again, I'm willing to be proven wrong on this particular topic, but rather than just parrot what someone else says, please offer me some facts. What expertise prior to working for Burisma in the form of education, experience, training, or skill set, what one of those are normally credentials, and I'm sure Hunter Biden's a nice guy just like his dad, but what one of those four credentials did he have? And I'm willing to be educated, but I have not found any. I mean, you can you can you can answer that. But if you're going to make that position, you got to offer some facts and support of your own position. Now, some of you may say, like, "Oh my God, are you so? Why are you so angry?" Actually, I'm not. I'm in a really good mood. I haven't drunk for like 30 days, and before that, I was only maybe weekend. But I'm actually feeling very healthy. Um, I feel very aligned spiritually, emotionally, physically. I'm actually in a very good mood. But just because you're in a good mood does not mean you cannot offer critiques. And I just had to suffer through an hour of pure propaganda. And to the Russian people, um, if you're listening to this, I, I kind of see where you're coming from. I'm sorry. That's the way that I think. I, would, I, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility. Let's say we could use a Star, a Star Trek device and we could just transport Vladimir Putin to someone else. Would that solve all the problems of this particular conflict? Would the next person in line say, oh, yeah, no, I now we're going to adopt Western democracy and we're going to take the exact same position that, that our, our purported foreign policy experts would take us? No, I don't, I don't think we would. Um, I think you would still see, my point is, Russia has some legitimate concerns that are real 
And contrary to this propaganda piece by front, I mean, Frontline's entertaining. I thought it was a good episode, but it was pure propaganda. Throughout the entire journalistic piece, they didn't offer one, one saying, hey, setting aside Vladimir Putin, we have a legitimate position here vis-a-vis the Ukraine. Not one. Now, Ukrainians, if you're listening to this, I am not saying you have no point and you can't defend yourselves. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is that's your battle. Your country has not bled on behalf of the United States. Yes, I understood the contribution when you were part of the Soviet Union, in which you you were helpful in defeating Hitler. I do I do acknowledge that. But since that time, I don't think you've you haven't you haven't done anything in the last thirty years. And what have you done in the last ten years? What have you done to help the United States? You've paid off our political leaders, but. If, if, if you want to defend that portion of Ukraine, fight for it. And now, Ukraine, you are a great culture, too. I'm not, I'm not doubting it. In fact, you know, one of the amazing things in the um, post, you know, invasion, you know, videography is you get these, like, mayors of these Ukrainian towns, and they're freaking, like, they're, they're huge. So I, I, I'm probably going to get this shit kicked out of me by some, like, Ukrainian guy like Vladimir or something like that, or Boris is going to kick the shit out of me, but so, so be it. I mean, you have a lot of tough guys. Russia has a lot of tough guys. Duke it out and fight and let the best side win, right? That's your fight and honor reflect for it. Um, who knows? Maybe I, maybe you're my long lost cousins, a lot of great Vikings, the Kievian Rus, one of their big settlements was in Kiev. You have a great civilization, a great culture and fight for it, defend it. But you have to be the one that bears that burden, not the United States. So that is this particular episode of the Rockney cast. Um, you know, I said from the beginning that my intention with this Rockney cast was to do topics that interested me, that helped me, that hopefully caused you to think and respond to. This particular episode is long. It's more of a rant. It's polemical. But it is my view. And I think it's a view that I have not seen. I mean, it's out there, of course. I'm not the only one talking about it. But all the journalists, all of the media, PBS, they're acting as nothing more than the United States version of Russia today. And all the rest of us are going around like we're sleeping. And if all of a sudden there's a nuclear exchange, all of a sudden, oh, it's all Putin's fault. Let's go to war. I, we're just reaching a point in this country where people aren't listening to these leaders because they're pathetic and they're dysfunctional and they're weak. Like Adam Schiff, look at this guy. I mean, all of these people. And, you know, I, and I think there are other people that, you know, even in the Republican Party that kind of feel the same way. But I'm sorry, I just, I just don't see what our interest is. And hopefully this can be a conversation. I don't think this is necessarily going to be something where you're going to offer a lot of facts and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll change my mind. You know, if, if Putin invaded Poland or if someone conveyed me that that was, I but I just don't think that is. I think there are legitimate interests here. Great states, there always are. The United States has acted that way for the last 250 years. 
Whenever our interests are threatened, we invade. We've done that for 250 years. Philippines, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, um, essentially the Cuba. There's, there's been all sorts of different ways in which the Indian Wars, it's always happened. That's how great powers work. So if you've made it this far, you probably turned it up. It's probably going to be like one viewer that's going to listen to this all the way through. If you have made it this far, please give me good recommendations on Apple, Spotify, and all places where you listen to the podcast. Um, and, and share the word and say, hey, did you hear that Crackpot Cole? Did you hear that Rockney cast? It's one of these really good podcasts where you can pretty much get everything on that from testosterone, Tancata Lee, intermittent fasting, and foreign policy, which of course can be a problem because with a podcast, you're supposed to have a focus. But for me, this is my podcast, and really the only focus is moi, the things that I think, and hopefully have a conversation with you. If you have made it this far, please do give me a positive review on Spot, Apple, Spotify, and all places where podcasts are heard. Reach out to me at rockneycast at gmail.com, R-O-C-K-N-E-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And let me know your position on that via that mechanism only, not via text, via that mechanism, because I want to have it to be a conversation with you. Stay tuned for uh, future podcasts. I'm not going to, and so should you watch this turd of a documentary um, by Frontline? Yeah, watch it. If you don't think it's a propaganda piece rather than a journalistic piece, then go back to your foreign policy school and check in and maybe just need to listen to Mike Tyson more. I don't know. You know, William Buckley once said that he would everyone uh, he would rather pick a random name from the New York City phone book than a Harvard English professor. And I don't that statement has rung true. I'd much rather I'd probably rather pick a random person from McDonald's in, you know, Podunk USA than the people that are le currently leading this country. John Bolton, Anthony Blinken, and yes, our great leader, Joe Biden, because they are mind-blowingly incompetent. So that's it. Um, we're going to continue to do um, wonderful episodes on how you can advance your mind, body, and spirit. I'm going to shift gears on my next episode and cover um, Kinsella's book, The Field of Dreams book, Shoeless Joe. We're also going to do a book review of Catcher in the Rye. And we're going to continue to do everything that interests me. And hopefully I'm entertaining you, getting you to think a little bit differently, making you mad, making you angry, making you happy, making you sad. The whole gamut of emotions will be experienced here on the Rocky Cast. So continue to tune in on this particular podcast. And until next time on the Rockney Cast.